Gospel of the Lord. May the words that come from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, doesn't today's gospel readings make you feel nice and warm and fuzzy? Destruction, fraud, war, pain and persecution. I bet that's exactly what you were hoping I'd be preaching on this morning as you made your way to church. I have to admit, though, that I was feeling in a bit of a fire and brimstone mood earlier this week. I was walking through uh, David Jones and I heard the unmistakable sound of a ringing bell. Sure enough, there was Santa wandering around the store wishing everyone Merry Christmas. I felt this righteous anger well up inside me and I started to play over in my head if he comes anywhere near me and wishes me Happy Christmas, I'll tell him exactly what time of year it is and it's certainly not Christmas, and politely tell him what he can do with, the be- with his bell for the next two weeks. It was just as well that when he walked past me, he only smiled. While I did my best, don't bother me, I'm walking through the store to get to the other side, look. Later that evening, I was walking in a different part of the shopping centre, and I saw a small child who seemed to be quite high on the autism spectrum, sitting in an empty Santa sleigh, just having the time of his life. It both melted my hard heart and convicted me all at once. In a world where there is often little to find joy in, who am I to be despising shopping centres for putting their decorations up a few weeks early? If it brings people joy, surely that can be a good thing. If it makes people think about Christmas, surely that can be a good thing. And if people are thinking of Christmas, there's a much greater chance that they might actually think about Jesus. Surely that can be a good thing. I've spent some time since reflecting on where my meanness of spirit generated from. I've written in the past about our need to be more generous around the Christmas time and not to enforce our practices on a community that increasingly does not get the church calendar and instead use it as an opportunity to promote Jesus where we can. So I know this intellectually and rationally, but it obviously hasn't taken root emotionally and spiritually. If generosity of spirit is what I should be showing, then perhaps I have to admit a sense of entitlement and self-centeredness has been the cause of my meanness of spirit. As I looked at the context of today's gospel, I saw that this was the very context into which Jesus was speaking before he makes his predictions of the destruction of the temple in today's text. If you do have your Bibles handy, you can see this very um, much for yourself. Jesus, in chapter 12, is teaching in the temple. And the Sadducees had tried to trap him with a tricky question about resurrection and at the same time polarize him with what they thought was an expected response. 
Jesus is then asked a serious question about the first or greatest commandment. He responds with an expanded version of the Shema, which we've mentioned a number of times this year. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment greater than these. Our foundations are our love and understanding of who God is and our relationship with God. And because of that, our focus should be on our neighbor, their care and their welfare. Jesus then warns of a sense of entitlement and self-focus as he points out the scribes, beware those scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. Maybe how I was feeling the other day in DJs. He then points out what real selflessness and generosity looks like comparing the exhibition of giving by the wealthy with the gift of the widow's two copper coins, everything that she had. So leading into today's gospel reading, Jesus has been saying to anyone who will listen that the foundation of our identity should be in relationship with God and with others. Sounds a lot like our vision doesn't it? This is underpinned by a strong sense of selflessness, which emanates from a clear understanding of who God is and what God calls us to focus on, and that's not ourselves. For us to realize our vision to be a church known for its relationships with God, with each other and our community, it must be underpinned with God-focused generosity. Jesus clearly says in Matthew's gospel, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. But the problem is that we get so focused on seeking first our kingdom and worrying about all these things that we want to add into our kingdoms. On Wednesday night, I was privileged uh, to be at the All Saints Anglican School speech night. And each year, uh, they put together a retrospective video with an audio track behind it. It's normally something that's been a hit uh, throughout the year. And this year, they used the song Rise by Jonas Blue. Here's a little bit of a grab. We're gonna ride, 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 rise till we fall. They say we got no, 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 no future at all. 
Kiki keep us out, can't hold us down anymore. We gonna ride, 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 ride till we fall. It's a catchy little song, um, but I've heard an interview with Jonas Blue, who wrote this as an anthem for the younger generation, who people keep on criticizing. But what he celebrates in his lyrics are exactly the culture of self-focus that permeates not just the younger generation, but every generation today. The message of this song is go as hard as you possibly can doing the things that you want to do until you crash. And don't give a stuff what other people might think or feel. While this is certainly not the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's quickly becoming the gospel of today's world. A world that says things like, not in my backyard, they'll take our jobs. It's okay if it doesn't hurt anyone else. Fake it until you make it. Do what makes you feel good. Live your truth and do unto others before they do unto you. I could go on with the cliches. It's not just young people these days, though. It's grumpy 46-year-olds walking through David Jones. It's the leaders of our free world. It's every generation who has not taken to heart the clear words of Jesus. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Today's gospel shows us that we have, as Christians, a foundation of generosity, or at least we should, but warns us not to place our foundations on the wrong things. At the start of this passage, the disciples make reference to the impressive structure that is the temple. For Jewish people, the temple represented God's presence among them, God's power and their identity. Some would have thought, now the temple is finally complete again. God is with us. There's nothing stopping us. Let's take on the Romans. Let's rise. But they fell. It's easy for us, too, to have our foundations laid in the wrong place. It can be in an environment, a building, possessions, situations, or particular personalities. When things start to go wrong, buildings get redeveloped or sold or people leave, it's often easy for us to start questioning, questioning our faith. As nice as our church building is, we can't rely on these temporal things like buildings, places, and personalities because eventually they'll change and they'll be gone just like the temple. We must base who we are on who God is and who God calls us to be. And that's what the Jewish people had forgotten it's also what we can forget. But bringing generosity to light 
means that we are called to let go of some of the control and rely on something other than ourselves. One of the greatest lessons that I have learnt and learnt it the hardest ways is that when you let go, you receive so much more. It's liberating. And in yourself, you are so much more complete because you are truly letting God become part of you. Where is it more important for God to reside? In a temple, in a church, in another person, or in our lives? How much more hopeful is it to know that God can be so accessible and that God doesn't have to be filtered through a secondary source? At the heart of the Christian faith, it comes down to our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. We are God and others focused. And this is the heart of generosity. It's somewhat ironic that as we are beginning to be challenged to support our church's redevelopment financially, that this passage would present itself to us this morning. Clearly, if we ever get distracted from our vision, which is God and others focused, and get caught up in our self-focus, self-interest, comfort or well-being, then not one stone will be left here upon another. If, however, we can generously put others before ourselves, a natural outworking of our relationship with God in Jesus Christ, then we might just see our vision come to reality. To do so, we will have to wrestle with what it means to bring generosity to light. Something we'll continue to do in the lead up to Christmas. A time when generosity should really become our main focus because of what God has so generously done for us in the incarnation, death and resurrection of Jesus, our Saviour, in whom we have our only true identity. Amen.